Amen. And he did pay it all. The sermon is a little bit different today. Normally, just to give you a heads up for what it's worth, normally when I'm preparing my sermon, I put together a set of sermon notes that's about five or six pages long. It's generally pretty close to verbatim what I share, and I didn't do that this week. I'm actually going to be working mostly from this and from the PowerPoint and from these boxes you see here today. So hopefully everybody has a worship guide here today. I feel like a guy who's been measuring with inches and feet, and all of a sudden you've given me centimeters and meters. You haven't given it to me, but God did. I'd say this is how I want you to present this today, because frankly, if it is as simple as it should be, it ought to be easily explainable. I want to talk to you about purpose, mission, and vision. The idea of mission, if you notice, is in all caps up there. We've, we've talked about purpose. We're going to talk about mission today, and we're going to talk about mission tonight. These things have a specific meaning to me, to them. Now, people may use different words to describe purpose, mission, and vision. I'm giving you my definition to them. So let me remind you, because the past two weeks, we've talked about purpose. Do you remember that? We looked at Ephesians 1, 7 through 12, and talked about purpose. So this is where it all starts. It is the reason something is done or created or the reason something exists. It is the why of life. Why do you do things? And those are hard questions to ask and answer sometimes or the whys. For the church and the Christian, the purpose could be summed up this way. We exist and pursue our mission because, this is where the purpose statement is, of God's work in us and God's calling upon us. Because of all he's done for us and all he's called us to do. Does that make sense? That's simple, but that's really what our purpose is. We do all we do as a church because of God's work in us, what he's done through us, what he's wanting to do through us, what he's called us to do. So I want to go ahead and put the first box down because this is what is the foundation of our purpose right here. It is all about who? It is all about Jesus Christ. So as we're, we're walking through this, I want you to understand he is the reason. He is the picture of God's work in us. He's the picture of God's calling on us. He is the foundation of all that we do. Now let me mention something. Although I don't have sermon notes that I'm working from, I do have what I call a summary sheet. It's six full pages of scripture passages that deal with these five different phases because I want you to understand what I've been, I'm sharing with you is biblically based. I think you've known me long enough to know that what I share with you is going to be from the Word of God. So I just want to mention these three verses about Jesus because we're talking about the Christian life and we're talking about the church and, and we believe that Jesus is the cornerstone. So let me get, not get too far ahead of myself and share the verses. Like I said, I'm, I'm handling things a little bit different this morning. Let me explain to you a mission. What is a mission? How do I define a mission. Purpose is the why, mission is the what. A mission describes what someone does and for whom. For the church and the Christian, our mission is what we ought to be doing because of what God has done for us. Our mission is what we ought to be doing because of what he's called us to do. Does that make sense? I hope it will, and I hope it does as we move along. It's summed up best in the Great Commission, which is going to be our jumping off first, for all of this. So let's stand in honor of God's word. Let's get to Matthew 28, 19 through 20, 18 through 20. And this probably sums up best what our what is. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, this is his followers, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you help me to be faithful to your word today. I pray that you be help, help me to be faithful to what you're calling me to do during this preaching time. Father, help us to get serious in the way we live our lives and the way we do our church with regard to this great commission. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want, to, I want you to think about this question. We know we are commanded to make disciples. That's clear, is it not? We're commanded to make disciples. But what does that look like? What does it look like? It, it becomes just some theoretical verse way up here unless we put feet to the ground. And that's what I want to challenge us to do as a church is to look at it tangibly. Look at it as an action we're called to do that has some very specific steps or phases to it. And I'm using the word phases. I talked through these. So let's just start at the first place. I don't want to go to phase one yet. I want to start with Jesus and just mention, can we all agree that this is the foundation of all that we do? Okay, it's all about Jesus Christ. Let me give you three passages of Scripture. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says to Peter, you're going to be called Peter from now on, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, I do not believe, for those of you who might be from a Catholic background, he was talking about Peter. I do not believe he was talking about Peter. I also don't believe he was talking about just the confession that Peter had just made where he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a great confession. It needs to be made, and he's absolutely right. But here's why I believe he was talking about himself. Because Peter, here's the second verse, in 1 Peter 2, 7, says this, the stone that the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. When Peter referred to Jesus twice in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, guess what he calls him? The stone, the cornerstone. Let me give you one other passage, 1 Corinthians 3.11. Paul said this, and we've looked at this recently, there is no foundation that can be laid except the foundation of who? Jesus Christ. So everything starts here. Everything is built here. And understand as I talk about this, I believe there's very little separation between the individual Christian life and how they build their life up and how the church needs to build its corporate life up. I believe we learn from both. So as, as you're thinking about this, no matter what church you're a part of or what the church decides to do, these are true for you as an individual. It all starts with Jesus. But let me give you the next step because you know where I'm going with this, hopefully. Step, phase one, I'm going to use the word phase, is to connect to God. Amen? It's connect to God. That's why Jesus came, so that we could be connected to God. And here's why. Because God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He has a wonderful purpose for your life. He has a wonderful mission for your life. He has a vision 
for his people, the church. But our problem is a thing called sin, and that sin separates us from God. But God, because he loves us, and all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's plan and God's purpose for our life. But God, knowing we were sinners and we could do nothing about connecting to God, did the connecting job for us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and shed his blood for us that whosoever will may come. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 1 says that Jesus Christ came so that we might, by believing in him, have the right to become the children of God. So God's taken the initiative in this and he's revealed himself to us. He's revealed himself to you. So, but, but just his revelation to you of his creation and his son Jesus Christ and Christ's death on the cross and the good news of the gospel which is Jesus Christ is Lord of all and if you will trust in him you will have eternal life it's not just enough to know that you have to trust in him so there's this connecting that has to go on this believing this trusting that you need to do and it's not just believing that he exists it's as if we went down to Hobby Airport and we I think all of us believe airplanes exist. Can you raise your hand if you believe airplanes exist? Making sure, okay. Okay, but there's a difference between believing an airplane exists and getting on an airplane. It's a difference. Believing in Jesus Christ is not just believing he exists. Believing in Jesus Christ is putting your life in his hands. You only are able to do so through what he's already done for you. He's made the way for you. He's the only way to eternal life. John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, eternal life is not about getting a nice little patch of land up in heaven where you can build your own home and do your own thing, and hopefully God won't bother me because everything will be cool. Heaven is about God and you in relationship with one another. That's what heaven's about. It's about God being eternally connected to you. Now, let me speak to those of you who are connected to God. By the way, you know what? Let me, let me tell you this. If you're not connected to God today, you can get connected to God today. Because it is an open offer at all times to whoever might come. Well, I don't have all my questions answered. Well, you'll never have all your questions answered. I mean, who do you think you are, God? I mean, you don't see things like he does. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Now, there's a lot of great answers to many questions that people think are difficult questions. But really, the question is, do you want to connect to God on his terms or not? Well, I'm going to do it my way. Well, God doesn't give you the option. It doesn't work that way. We come to God by his terms. And his terms are faith in Jesus Christ. And those are extremely reasonable. Amen? So you're going to get connected to God, and believer, you're going to stay connected. You're going to stay connected. How are you going to do that? Well, you're going to get in the Word of God. Amen? You're going to get in the Word of God. You're going to stay in the Word of God. You're going to fill yourself with the Word of God. It's going to help you deal with those things. And this is what this is about. This is why the Word is there. The word is never an end in itself. It is a means to a deeper relationship with God. 
You get on your knees in prayer. You spend time in prayer. You know what? If, if the church today and if the Christian today spend as much time in prayer as it spends on Facebook, imagine what America would be like. I'm just saying. You spend time in prayer. You deal with sin because when you come into the presence of God and you get in His Word and the light of His Word is exposed in your life, you begin to see the sin in your life. So you deal with that. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and we'll get to that in just a second, but getting in the light of God's Word. So you do those things. You walk obediently. You do what He tells you to do. If God has told you to do something, and you don't do it, it will affect the connection. You still have it, but it will affect the connection. Now, this is phase one. This has got to be in place before you move on. You can't skip to two, three, and four. This is a process in the Christian life. And the reason I have these not as steps, I mean, you remember the first time I preached this, what did I use? We used the steps. I wanted to move away from the steps because it left the impression that you're moving from one to the other. No, you're building one on top of the other. Y'all with me on that? You never lose this. You're, you're going to be eternally affected by Jesus Christ and your connection to God through him. You're going to have that sustained, that's going to deepen, and this grows in levels of commitment. So time is moving. Let's get to number phase two. Phase one is connecting to God through Jesus Christ, through His Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. This is about that vertical connection. Everybody with me on that? But then we move to phase two, which is connecting to other believers. Now, there is a sense you connect to your neighbor and others like that, but this is really in Scripture about connecting to other believers. Now, the summary sheet that I put together, I think I mentioned it earlier, that talks about the four phases of discipleship. When you go through the one another's, and I've spoken about this before, it's right here, the summary sheet right here, if you don't know where I'm pointing. And I've got about 40 copies, if you want one, take one, it's a couple, you're welcome to. There are at least 40 passages of scripture in the New Testament that speak to these one another's of the church. There are some that are very important as you look at the relationship between God and you, for instance, Jesus Christ said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Paul said in Ephesians 4, forgive one another as Christ forgave you. Romans 14, Paul said, receive one another as Christ received you. So do you see the connection there? As you are walking with Christ and growing that relationship with Him, it ought to lead you to the one another's. You ought to be bearing one another's burdens. You ought to be confessing your sins to one another. You ought to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You've got to have the one another's. You cannot have Lone Ranger Christianity. Well, it's just me and God, and that's fine. Well, evidently it's not because God did not make it that way. The church, the body of Christ, whatever local church is affiliated with, is your forever family. And the Bible even tells us there's coming a day when the dead in Christ will rise first, and we will be with one another in the air and forever with the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4. So there's these one another's that are so incredibly important, you cannot get away from that. And it, it probably needs to move beyond your family. It needs to be 
others because you've got a forever family. That's your Christian family. So I encourage you, connect to one another. Just looking at some of these verses here. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. He that does not love does not know God. For God is love. One another's. So we ought to be doing the one another's. We ought to be provoking, not provoking one another, not envying one another. We ought to not be lying to one another. We ought to be not speaking evil to one another. We ought not grumble against one another. We ought to have peace with one another. We ought to be kindly affectionate and give honor to one another. I mean, it's just one another after one another after one another, which speaks to the importance of the relationships. By the way, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your what? Love for one another. So you just can't escape that. So I'm so glad you're here in worship today. But you need to find a place for those one another's. To foster those one another's. And I need to find a way to help you find it if you can't find it. So that's step phase two. Phase two. Phase three is the area of service. It is, and there's three terms that I was thinking and praying about this, and I couldn't land on one, so I'm giving you all of them. Connect to your ministry, connect to your task, connect to your calling. You were not saved to sit. You were saved to serve. You were. You were called to be like Jesus Christ. You were called, you have a ministry, you have a calling, you have a purpose in life. You have certain spiritual gifts God wants to use. You have a heart for particular things within the context of this great commission he's called us to that you need to to stir that up. You have certain abilities that you would have had whether you were lost or saved you need to use for the glory of God. And you need to find a way, and we need to help you find a way to use that. You've got a particular personality. I'm glad everybody doesn't have a personality like me, aren't you? You know what? God brings different personalities into the church for a particular reason because maybe you can reach people others can't. But God has given you a particular, if you are, if you are a child of God, if you're connected with God, you are connected with other believers and God has a purpose for you being here. He's got a calling on your life. He has a task for you to do and nobody else can do it. You understand what I'm saying about that? Nobody else can do it. The United Way can't do it. Any other charitable organization can't do it because Christ commissioned the church to do it. Ministry. As a matter of fact, one of the passages in here is that in love we ought to serve one another. By the way, ministry is never about stuff. Please be careful to watch that. Ministry is always about God and others. We serve God. We serve others. We serve God, we serve others. I know we have to deal with stuff when it comes to our service. But beloved, if our stuff ever takes priority over the people that Jesus Christ died for, there's something missing. Service is about loving others. And you want to serve, do you not? You want to minister, you want to care for others, you want to take that ministry of teaching or that ministry of encouragement or that ministry of or whatever, of serving or helping in some way, in order to see people come to know Christ. Now let me stop here and say something real quick. No matter what phase you're at, you can invite people to join you. If you have gotten connected to God, 
you need to invite others to come to Christ as well. You don't have to wait. Some say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a missionary. If you found Jesus, you invite others to find Jesus with you. Has everybody got me on that? If you're connected to other believers in a fellowship or a small group or something, you invite others to join you. If you're doing ministry, invite others to join you. You can always invite others to join you where you are. As a matter of fact, you ought to. Got one more, then I'll be through. And that's phase four. And that's really what Jesus is pointing to with the Matthew 28, 19 through 20 passage because he tells them, go and make disciples. So I just want to ask you, just think about this. How many new Christians start out making disciples? I think very few. Now there is some sense they can do that. For instance, if they've come to know Jesus and they're connected to God, hey, they can invite people to Jesus, can't they? But the ultimate calling is to be a mature reproducing Christian who longs to see other people saved, but not just saved. They want to meet people wherever they are along this. And it don't assume it's an office in the church. Well, that's the preacher's job or the deacon's job or the a missionary's job. Beloved, don't ever think that God can't mature you to the point of making you a disciple maker because he can, and it doesn't matter who you are. We need godly disciple makers who are men and women who will go out there and help others to spiritually advance in their walk with Christ. This is what disciple making is all about, and that's what we need to shoot for. So when we talk tonight and we talk about the phrases with the phases, this is what we're looking at as a way to describe this and define this in our church in a way that it just won't be on paper but it'll be in our heads and it'll be in our hearts and it'll be in our lives to such a way that when people ask what we're about, we'll say, here we are. This is who we are and this is what we're going to do and we want to do because of what God has done for us. Remember our purpose? and What he's called us to do. So, let me leave you with these last thoughts and I've probably gotten off the written notes. And this last section was getting others connected. We're almost through. Are you ready to fulfill your purpose and mission? That's where I want to leave you with. Are you ready to fulfill your purpose and mission? Whatever phase you're in, you can invite others to join you. Tonight, we're going to put phrases with the phases. Beloved, are you ready to fulfill your mission? Are we ready to fulfill our mission? Because I'm telling you, the world is here. People need the Lord. It is our job our calling, and our privilege to reach people and help them to be disciples of Jesus Christ. So are you ready to do that? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.